Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, where three brothers from three different generations talk about their one shared passion, music. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my two brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, and today we're talking about the best albums of 2018. You can now listen to episodes on the Brother Pod app, which also gives you access to additional new music, music news, clips, and content that we curate for each episode. You can also interact with us directly through the talkback feature, ask us questions, make suggestions, and voice your own opinions. Just search Brother Pod in the App Store to download on your mobile device. As always, you can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Now, let's talk about the best albums of 2018. this year what do you think yeah i mean i well first of all thank you very much for uh, for reminding everybody um something i will not soon live down which is the fact that i have fucked up the math both uh times that we've done this so far um, leaving school. us with uh <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah well uh i guess the secret's out um just just proving that uh proving that that was uh, never never really i wasn't numeracy wasn't wasn't our strength but um in any event we uh we sort of made that a tradition um and uh in sticking with that theme are um are going to present our top 21 albums of the year um it's a pretty cool list i'm really happy with the way it came out what do you guys think yeah i I like it a lot i think it's um i don't know there's a lot of variety it was it was like a i feel like there was a lot of albums that were very good. It was hard for me to pick what was number one, and I had to go more on emotion this year. But there's a lot of albums that were left off that I think could have fit in this list really Absolutely. well as as well. So it's uh, but I'm totally happy with the list. There's not one album on there that I I uh, wouldn't would I would object to. No, definitely. I, I it's more of a matter of like I can't believe certain things didn't make it, and I'm sure you guys are the same way. I mean, both of you guys had like. Cardi B really high, which I didn't really, you know, think too. I wasn't wild about, and and uh, Deaf Heaven didn't make it. White Denim didn't make it. Shame didn't make it, which was high on my list. The best. Well, I had the I had the distinct displeasure of seeing um, an audience uh, at the White Denim show, um, and I think that probably skewed your uh, <laughs> literally shifted it down twenty places in my in my list. Yeah, I mean, we'll you know we'll gradually. Um, once we're once we're actually done with this, and and just a reminder to to the listeners, um, you know, we're going to break this into uh, I think two parts, um, the way that we we have traditionally in the past, and we'll we'll start with twenty one and get through um, eleven in this episode, and then we'll do ten through one. Um, well, it's funny you should in, say that because uh, number twenty one is a uh, an album where I decidedly do not want to meet the fans. <laughs> I, uh, I I think I would hate everybody at this concert, and at the same time, I would enjoy myself thoroughly. So it's uh, Father John Misty's God's Favorite Customer. After 
two albums that I think were absolutely unlistenable. He uh, sort of joined, I mean, I guess he put an addendum to the, the first album that I really liked, Fear, uh, Fear Fun. Um, this one's called God's Favorite Customer, and I really couldn't, I, I tried my hardest to hate it, and I couldn't. Yeah, no, I'm I'm absolutely with you. I think um, that was my uh, my my big sort of d- discovery here um, on on this album. And, you know, was uh, was I I couldn't help but um, living in Brooklyn as I do, uh, listen to it while I ate dinner at every restaurant for about a month there. Um, it was unavoidable. It is like a, it, it, he's like the male Grimes, um, but um, you know I, I think he's he's a kind of a difficult guy to 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 really come to terms with yeah he's he's not a particularly likable person um and he seems to be a magnet for really uh like just a certain type of music fan that um i think is uh can be can be a little bit challenging um that said uh, he's also a magnet for like phenomenal melodies yeah he's exactly kind of the madman (laughs) to me of music where you have uh you know, certain seasons I thought were worthy of all the praise, and then certain uh, seasons I thought were just garbage and everybody liked because they were supposed to. And I think this album uh, is one that definitely falls in the early part of that, where I think it's a, it's a great album, though. Return to form, or return to what I like that he does well. Yeah, well, sure. and the thing that... The thing that I think, you know, he, he's always had this incredible ability to, to weave, you know, melody with just these sort of really sort of clever... Um, sometimes too clever lyrics, yeah. uh, and that can be um, a little bit cringeworthy at times. Uh, but I think you know when he's when he's on form and when he does it well, um, uh, he he can just like he can really make you sort of crack a wry smile at, at you know at, at the at finding just the right way to phrase something. Well, that's my that's my problem with him is actually is you know I mean it, you know he, when he puts it in a song, he's awesome. Yeah. When he decides that the the paragraph that he wrote is more <laughs> important po- than the melody that he wrote, <laughs> he sucks. Then it's gonna be a then it's gonna be a poem, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's right. And so when he gets when he finally finds that like kind of groove and that boogie, and he's like a little, you know, and it is musical. Um, and uh, there's some really wonderful examples of that um, on on this record, I think. Uh, but you know, th- then he's he, you're absolutely right. That's that's you know when he finds the right vehicle for his um, for his prose <laughs> and actually turns it into songs, it's uh, it's good stuff. So that's uh, that's a really that's a great um, number twenty one pick. I, I like that. Yeah, it's crazy that that's the twenty first because I've listened to it a lot. And I'm a well, it's only getting my, better for me. My list. So, um, Jer, what do you think of the new Jeff Tweedy album? It's tied for number nineteen. I know, I got two Chicago boys tied for number 19, both from, uh, I think, different parts of town. But um, I love it, and I think it's a great album. I probably am responsible for this album, making the list, putting it high on mine. And, uh, you know, Tweedy, like we, we talked about on the pod we recently did about his book and the album, it's one of those people, like, to be honest, I don't really get that excited for a new Wilco album these days or, or a Jeff Tweedy album, and, and the fact that, or at least in the same way I did when I was earlier in their career and, and kind of when I was first getting into him and, and the band. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised by this record, not because he's bad, more because he's consistently good. And, and you know, it's just, uh, it's become kind of a, a really... It's called the spoon thing. conundrum. Yeah, exactly. And so 
Um, but I think this record is really confident. Um, the songs are short. I think the lyrics are sometimes more pointed than, than some of his uh, stuff with Wilco. And uh, I love the fact that he sort of played everything and talked about, you know, having Wilco, who, who as a band, is a very, you know, musician-forward band. You've got Nels Klein, uh, Glenn Cox, who, who can play, you know, or wizards with their instruments. And I think Tweedy kind of cut songs short or, you know, didn't expand them as much as Wilco does normally due to his own limitations, but still managed to put together an album that's not just a guy on an acoustic guitar. Um, and, you know, I think it's great. You know, I, I think I Know What I Like is a standout to me. I uh, think the opener, Bombs Away, is a standout. And, um, you know, he, he kind of, you know, pokes some fun even at his, his own fandom, talking about, you know, people asking him, hey, man, what drugs, you know, did you do? You should I do them I again. I appreciate that, but, you know, I, I, uh, I thought maybe he was, you know, pointing a finger, but... What's that? I said I was just I was I, I was joking. I said yeah. I thought he was pointing a finger. Yeah. Um, but you know I think it's a you know like I said on the pod I think it's an album of a guy that's very comfortable with what he does his art and himself and uh, it comes across in this album and it's a really listenable record that that's growing on me with every listen. Well, you're listening to I mean you're uh, reading the book right now, the, right? Uh, um, let's go so we can get it back, uh, which I think is it, it's. They are very much of a piece. It's very yeah. Very, no, it, it's kind of a, a great accompaniment for sure. And tied, so, tied for nineteen is fellow Chicagoan Joey Perp Christian with quarter thing. Yeah. Um, so Joey Perp is, uh, and you know we've we've spoken um, at, at some length about this and uh, reviewed it when it came out. Um, I'm a big big fan of this album. Um, personally, and um, you know, yes, I think uh, as Jeremy alluded to, the important thing here is that um, all of the ties uh, that we have on our list would make really exceptional double bills, um, because I think that the Joey Perp, Jeff Tweedy, All Chicago uh, double bill would be like one of the best shows um, and one of the weirdest crowds you're you're gonna find. Um, now, I, you know, this album I thought was was a big step up for him, um, and he is of course uh, one third of the the sort of the triumvirate um of um chicago's uh save money crew or save money militia um and uh that was chance the rapper vic mensa of course and, and joey perp and i think for a long time he's sort of been um seen as as the uh the the sort of diamond in the rough there um you know potentially a, a really incredible discovery but but you know hadn't quite found um his sound um and you know i think that uh, the the way that he sort of elevates his game in, in this album lyrically, but but also sort of um, you know combining the, the grandiosity of his um, arrival on the stage and in, in sort of, uh, uh, of and and success in the world of rap, um, but you know can can contrast that you know again with with the sort of the sort of more day to day struggles I think of his life and and fatherhood. Um, and uh, some some really sort of fairly, um, I think fairly uh, broad and um, uh, far-reaching themes that you know I think appeal to to the average uh, to the average listener. Um, you guys uh, spent some time listening to this as well, and and you know grew to it grew on you. Is that right, Wyndham? I, I love this, uh, but I, I you know I sort of a holdover from. Um uh, your number one pick for best single of last year. Oh, uh, we have girls. 
girls. Um, and I started listening to it fairly late. I feel like it came out kind of late in the year. So, um, you know, I'm not as familiar with it as I should be, but I really liked it, like, aw shit and stuff like that. I, I thought were pretty funny. You know, yeah. he's got a, a really good sense of humor, which always helps Absolutely. Me. Well, it's the same. I mean, I think he has the a, a similar sense of humor, and, and perhaps it sort of speaks to their um, speaks to the nature of their friendship. But with you know, with Chance the Rapper, and and like those guys can be really like they can just turn a lyric on its head, um, and uh, and you know, send send you down sort of one read read, um, Tana, read, read in Tanahashi Coates. Uh, singing it's yeah. Body <laughs> yeah, read the best yeah. line of all time. Yes, um, definitely the best rhyme that I've heard <laughs> in a rap song in the last ten or fifteen years, uh, which was to yeah, um, was to was to rhyme Tana Easy Coats with Spotty Adi Dope, um, of course the the uh, Atlians um, song. So you know I, I think there's a there's a really sort of interesting interplay here between um, sort of like a searching kind of morality that he's, he's really trying to understand. Um, and, and again, I think that that's, you know, closely tied to, um, seeing, uh, you know, uh, young friends, um, die and, and, you know, um, understanding his role now as, as a dad sort of is slightly different than it used to be. Um, but also, you know, he's able to throw down like a couple of really great club tracks and, um, you know, still sort of, uh, have fun and, and live the good life. But there's like a, there, there's, there's just a, there's a tone about the, the album as a whole. And this is what I think is so, um, impressive about it really is, is that he's sort of able to sort of take inventory of, of that side of the, of his life, um, as represented by, a, you know, a third of the songs on the album, um, and sort of put it in this, this sort of more important context and like recognize that he has other roles to play. Um, so it's, it's, it's a guy who's like, I mean, at the age of, I think 22, um, or 23, figuring out, uh, figuring out that he's got uh, a lot more to offer. So I'm, I'm really excited about his career. Um, but this is a, this album's a hell of a, um, a hell of a next step in it. One thing no, before we take great. a break and hear a song by Joey Perp, he's also a guy that I, I don't know if it hurts him in the sort of mass appeal or not, but there's very few rappers that change styles as much as he does really, uh, you know, sort of freely and fluently, and it doesn't sound forced at all. Like, that album in particular, uh, you know, I've listened to it a bunch. I feel like <clears throat> there's just, you know, it almost sounds like three different rappers or four different rappers um, because each track kind of has a different different style and different sound, both his MC and, and, and the beats as well, which is, is I think is pretty cool. But I, I wonder in general if that hurts his appeal. No, I think that's a great that's a great point, and um, it's interesting that you say that because it's something that I feel like I'm seeing more and more in young rappers, and I think part of that is just like as we you know um, you now have people who grew up in the era of. Um, Nas and Jay-Z uh, and, and Biggie is sort of like their, their starting points, right? Um, and so you have, you have this, like, the really canonical um, sort of leaders and titans of rap who arrived and made it and dominated the 1990s and 2000s. Um, I mean, hell, you have, you know, we, we have a rap billionaire now, um, which is, like, which is too pretty unbelievable. Um, yeah. I mean, for anybody, you know, um, but... To, to, to arrive at, at that place through the world of music is, is really incredible. But, um, but it is, you know, worth noting that it, it really has happened for the first time in the, in the last sort of five or ten years. And I just think, like, 
for those guys, they actually have like a deep and rich history um, to, to, to dig into. And so you start to see the way that, you know, he's playing with these different styles and sort of trying to figure out what he wants to sound like. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see that, that coming to the genre more and more. You want to take a quick break? We'll come back and we will count down the... I don't even know what the number is because everybody there's so many ties. But uh, come back and knock down the next uh, 18 or so? Yeah, sure. A billion data bitcoins and microchips Intel, Pentium, silicon and biochips Sitting on open sofa my drink is on a solid gold coaster. Cigars with the Caprio. A rock and roller, you still rock the Casio. Ace of Spade popped on the patio. Aston yeah. Martin, powder blue and pistachio. I know that they are not who they pretend to be. Ain't no more convincing me. Money turn your kin into your enemy. Streets to turn your mans into your memory. I keep it a century. I got a lot of people trying to drain me of this energy. Broski had them ten a key. We got chickens to a piece. They gon' have to murder me. They don't want no niggas free. I know this was made for them. I know this was sent for me. I'm just trying to take back every single thing that's meant for me. I don't owe nobody nothing. Everything comes straight from me. Young nigga, go get your bread. Only thing that's bread in me. Some of my niggas still alive. So welcome back. We're here with the uh, next couple of um, installations in our top 21 albums of the year. And uh, we have just gone through uh, the 21st, which was Father John Misty, God's Favorite Customer, Jeff Tweedy's Warm, um, and Joey Perp's Quarter Thing were both tied for 19th. And we have yet another tie um, for uh, 17th place here. And um, the first, uh, the first of the two... Um, albums that we will mention. I think, Wyndham, you'll take this, but it's U.S. Girls in a Poem Unlimited. Yeah, I was going to just quote uh, Joey Perp to say, where's U.S. Girls at? With the Poem Unlimited. (laughs) (laughs) Um, With the Poem Unlimited, yeah. (laughs) I uh, I, I really love this. You turned me on to this one. It is a very good kind of, I don't know, it's just kind of a... Singer-songwritery, but there's also some. I mean, there's some dance elements to it. I feel like it's pretty good. Uh, um, you know, it feels disco-y to me a little bit. Stereo yes, lab it's, it's or something so, like that. Sounds yeah, weird. No, that's no. kind of where it lands. <laughs> yeah. So so okay. I think that the um, the like the pretty wide dispersion there that you're seeing in our reactions um, is is sort of evidence of, of what this sounds like. It is, it's a really hard thing to pin down, right? Like the, the sort of the vocabulary that she's using is like, I would say that she has a very like, um, there's almost a reggae feel to some of the, the beats and elements that sort of like that provide the rhythm to these songs. Um, I have to say that it's one of the only times I have seen uh, a sax on stage that played in almost every song that I liked. Um, and, uh, you know, she's, she has really, I mean, sort of emerged over the last 10 years or so, um, as, uh, a sort of, I think, you know, very, very art forward, you know, force in, in producing and, and recording. Um, in, yeah, I have uh, to say, in, like, I, I know nothing about her. You turn me on to it. I really like the record, and I actually know nothing about this person. So you, you um, in Philadelphia, in Philadelphia, yeah, I saw her earlier this year, and was was just really um, delighted by the uh, uh, 
delighted by the performance. Um, you know, and I think that this is, again, it, I mean, you know, it's, it's a timely album. Um, it, it is, it is about the, the politics of our era, um, and about, I think the, the sort of anger and, and frustration in various, um, shades and, and, you know, permutations. Um, but, uh, but Remy here is, I think, you know, really, um, sort of expanding on those themes and in a, a pretty interesting and I think very, um, sort of, there's a a sort of intimate sensuous way um that that i think sort of uh is a little bit misleading between you know form and substance if that makes sense or or there's a there's a sort of conflict between form and and substance yeah i i i I mean i would only interrupt you to say that it's it's very worth listening to (laughs) i don't have anything that pointed or interesting to say about it i just i really liked it well uh but it's tied with tied Napa. Tied late entry. Christian's uh, last surging album, Napa Eyes. Yeah, and if Napa you're, Eyes, yeah. you're looking at ties and you want to you wanna, uh, kind of bind together and, and um, plan tours for the bands that tied, Napa Eyes and U.S. Girls would be a pretty good doubleheader. Well, of course, Remy has since, uh, she used to live in, in Philadelphia, but has since moved up to um, Toronto. Uh, and the added America a the North. added a hyphen Canadian to um, <laughs> to her citizenship status on her Wikipedia page. So, um, which I'm I'm sure everybody is uh, is pleased to know. Now, I mean, so that of course is is what she has in common: the fact that she's Canadian um, with with this band Napa's and um, Napa's. They are indeed. I didn't know um, that. And yes, in fact, uh, they are. So I actually thought they were from um, from New York because they played here so frequently. I guess in 2017, um, and I have to say, at the time, you know, they they'd had uh, two albums prior to "I'm Bad Now" um, and uh, "Wine of the Mystic," um, which came out in 2015, um, which has a sort of a breezy indie rock feel to it that um, I think, you know, personally felt rambled a little bit. Or, too long um jammy or um yeah there was there was a little bit of a there wasn't much sense of urgency let's put it that way um <laughs> this is this is the downside of of uh, of home recording um is that nobody can throw your ass out of the studio because it costs 300 bucks an hour um and you know i think that the thought rock fish scale um which was a very confusing title to me um, for their 2016 album, um, but which sounded, uh, which reminded me much more of uh, of Ghostface Killa's album, Fish Scale, um, but only in, in name, um, not in substance, uh, was, you know, it was very similar. It just sort of, it, it had like, there was, a, there was a sort of ambling, shuffling quality to a lot of their songs that didn't really feel like they were they were tightened and going anywhere um and and maybe this will actually prove to be a a theme of um of a number of albums on this list because i think like urgency is something that that um really struck out at me this year um and i think that this is a, a a much better cut from this band um whose melodies and and consistency um you know are just across the board like brighter and a little bit um uh, a little bit more intense and, and really sort of grabbing on to uh, uh you know grabbing onto the, the subject and and um and performing it well yeah, it's um, funny. so I, I think i find the top 10 in this 
uh, our top 10 this year has a lot of urgency. I think our 10 through 20 has a, is, is a very limited amount of urgency. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny. I mean, I guess you, so. Well, Except for you the next one. You, you should listen, you should listen to their previous yeah. two albums. Um, you know, so they, okay, so for, for those who haven't heard it, um, and this is NAP, uh, new word eyes, um, just, just to be clear, uh, not nappies, as, as Wyndham suggested their, their name should have been. Um, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I think, so their, uh, their lead singer, Ni- their, their lead singer um, Nigel Chapman, uh, is, you know, he has a pretty flat tone to his voice um, and not a ton of range. And, you know, I, I think that, look, two of my favorite singers of all time um, share those qualities uh, in Lou Reed and... and um, Jonathan Richmond. So it's it's by no means are you excluded from the um, pantheon of greatness. Casablancas. Uh, yeah, I mean it really. You know, you don't. It, it's a question of whether you learn to use it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that he sort of came into his own uh, on on a few of these um, songs. And in particular, I would point to. Um, Every time the feeling, which is the album opener, uh, he really I think makes the most of this, um, and uh, sort of. You know, slides from from note to note in probably the catchiest song I think on the album. Um, but Judgment has a similar vibe, and uh, and I think um, Roses is another highlight I would mention uh, that I that I really sort of enjoy and and think um, you know shows the sort of melodic versatility that I'm talking about here. So um, I really strongly recommend this album, and and um, I'm uh, pretty excited about what they've got uh, in store for them next. I like it. I think it's a good album, and mainly for the reasons you just stated. I mean, it reminded me a lot of that in tone, Jonathan Richmond, and and you know, obviously Lou Reed, and even Parquet Courts a little bit. Um, soft Boys, but I had think. that. Yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, I've never really gotten into the Soft Boys. I mean, I, I know they're you know, a kind of that, that one album or whatever, sort of legendary, but. Um, but uh, I'll take your word for it. But yeah, I, I just thought it was really catchy. I, I did not put the time in that Christian did because it was uh, recommended literally, I think, yesterday to check it out. For um, but I, I I do like it a lot. But but not subject to recency bias. Not right. not even close. No. No. Well, the next um, the, so the next one number yeah. sixteen is um, I, I said there was no urgency in the in the bottom ten, but uh, this is the opposite. Uh, Vince Staples' FM. A very, yeah. very brief and excellent album. Yeah, I think uh, definitely high on my list and, and uh, obviously yours too, you guys too. But, uh, you know, I think this album is, is kind of a contrast. It, it's got the, you know, sort of a setup of your California sort of, you know, with Big radio. Boy, who's a, you know, classic radio DJ out in L.A., very much like what I grew up with on the East Coast with Funkmaster Flex on the East Coast in the early hot 97 days, or at least when I was in high school, um, you know, cutting in and, and talking about sort of the endless summer of California and the endless summer days, and then Vince Staples just, you know, ripping nightmare lyrics of, of life on the streets and in and, uh, and North Beach and... and um, but all with like really catchy and, and really great beats, um, you know, songs like Fun, Summertime, and I think Staples only raps on about eight songs. There's a, a quick cut of an Earl Sweatshirt song, um, and I think a couple other guest rappers, but it's an album that I can definitely pop on start to finish. It, it's brief, it hits hard, and it also just, you know, nails that kind of you know, the good things about G-Funk and the, the music he grew up with. And, and it's something that he does so well, sort of modernizing 
the stuff that he's been influenced by, but also just really not shying away from the you know the bleak picture of, of ghetto life in, in sunny California. Um, I know you guys like this album as much as I did, so feel free to throw some stuff out about it. No, I'm, 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 I think you nailed it. I think I love it. It's, uh, yeah. it's good, it's brief, and it, it makes a statement. Yeah, I, I think the, it's an interesting statement as well. I think it's a reflection on his own place within the world of rap music, um, which is, uh, you know, there's the, the skit toward the end of the um, album, uh, which, of course, has a, a caller who's... Um, uh, who shares my name, so um, so I was paying attention. Uh, but it was... Um, Christian Walford, Cleveland Lewis? <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. That was the caller's name. Um, that was very good. Uh, so, but, you know, he, it's... it's the, the caller is asked to... And I, like, almost never think that skits on albums are a good idea. Um, but this one actually kind of cracked me up because it was, um, it was like... Uh, name name musical artists who begin with the or name rappers or yeah no it's, I think famous people who begin with the letter V um, and of course Vince Staples doesn't get mentioned um, so there is a sort of like he is simultaneously sort of throwing a little shade on his own you know place in the world of rap um, but also he doesn't seem to be too bothered by it uh, there's a like this guy has such a fiercely independent streak and uh, I think appreciation for what his art's going to look like and what it's supposed to look like. Um, I mean, he, he is he's he's, he's strange in that world. Yeah, he yeah he is telling he is like an and it and the thing about him that I love so much is the fact that it's he's it, there isn't the same. Um, sort of pleading look at me uh, quality that there is about like odd future um, <laughs> and you know it doesn't have quite the same um, desperation for attention uh, I kind of get the feeling that Vince Staples would be doing what he was doing irrespective of whether if I was paying attention yeah. but if I am going to look um, he's got something to say yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know that's it, that, like this is this is somebody who has I think um I mean, certainly he's talked about the, the sort of the demons of his childhood that, that haunt him on on, um, uh, on his three albums at this point. But I think um, ultimately, you know, this is somebody who's got a hell of a lot of confidence in their own decision making um, uh, and doesn't believe that he was uh, that, that he was sort of accidentally put on this stage um, such that he was, you know, he, he belongs here and he knows it. Um, so he's uh, he's he's going to take advantage of the the mic while he's got it. Mm. Uh, so number fifteen after Vince Staples, which uh, you know I'm a little shocked is as low as it was, but um, number fifteen I'm a little shocked it's as high as it is. Is Idols is uh, Joy is an act of resistance, uh, for which I would have personally substituted Shame. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, I mean, this is a this is a, an interesting split. I think um, I saw both this year. Uh, I certainly think that they're both a rollicking, messy, beer soaked, um, you know, sort of poof fest. Like, yeah, <laughs> male aggression around the age of twenty one. Um, uh, sort of like gathering point. Um, you know, they are they are fun, uh, like um, energized and energetic uh, sort of punk bands um, or post punk bands, I guess I should say. Um, you know, I, I was a little worried about these guys um, and sort of taking a sophomore slump here. It seemed like they had a lot of um, energy and goodwill coming out of the uh, gates with their first album, but this definitely seemed like something that could wane a little bit. Um, 
and I, you know, these are, uh, this is a punk band from, from Bristol, um, that I think really delivered, uh, on one of the, one of the better albums of the year. Um, the opener Colossus, uh, is just a, you know, gut punch right out of the gate. Um, and, you know, I, I think, uh, the, the sort of controlled, like, um, drumming throughout the album is, uh, is, is really, um, is really pretty incredible and sort of creates a, a sort of military backdrop to, to, um, to the sound. Um, it is, I just, you know, it, I think that this, this really is the defining, like, urgency of, yeah, it, they also have the best song name by far, um, of, of anybody uh, this my, year. My I favorite think. song title of the year. Absolutely. Never fight a man with a perm. Mm-hmm. It's just good advice. Yeah. <laughs> Very good advice. Yeah, he wants, most of my he wants life. it more than you. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Um, <laughs> you know, so there's there's a look, they've got they've got a, a, a ability to be sort of politically aware and um, uh, I think appropriate to, to the time um, sort of reflecting the way that perhaps music is a little bit more progressive than just about any other um, chapter or uh, faction within um, English society these days, uh, which is not which is not unusual um, when you think, you know, that Britain is sort of trending in the direction that it is. Um, it's not that surprising that, you know, the 1970s featured pretty great reactionary music, and this is um, a time where you're starting to see uh, a sort of revival of, you know, some of the um, sort of more post-punk aesthetics, but but definitely the sort of um, political energy of, of uh, music in the in the 70s. Um, you know, I, I think these guys, frankly, uh, fit into that sort of, they, they will fit very nicely into that lane with bands like Fiddler um, and, uh, and shame as well. Um, and you know, if, if you get a chance, um, and this is the kind of show that you like, don't miss the, like, don't miss an opportunity to see them. Um, because, uh, I can guarantee you it will be shot out of a fucking cannon. Um, these guys do this, you know, I think probably 300 nights a year or something ridiculous. And frankly, are at the, you know, right, right point in their lives to do that with a hell of a lot of intensity. Um, and, and really, um, leave you sort of walking away, like, you know, shell-shocked. Yeah, it's a band um, I've so. wanted to see, and definitely an album that when you listen to, you know they can put it on live. I mean, yeah. and, and, you know, you definitely attested that and saw them this year. I definitely want to see them. And this album made a lot of top top lists this year for good reason. I mean, I think, I love the title alone, and I think that, uh, you know, there's something about it. I mean, there's definitely some throwback elements here, hard, you know, hard-hitting punk, but... Uh, but these guys, you know, are clever and uh, you know deliver lyrically as well, which really put this one over the top for me. Well, the thing that the thing that reminded me most, and I've said this to both of you, I think the thing that reminded me most of is, um, and not sound wise at all, but attitude wise, is Art Brute. Like hmm. it's it's sort of it's a knowing that sort of joke. humor. Yeah, there's a very self-effacing sort of Britishness, I think, built into this. Um, yeah, which it's is that like, it's not like super. You know, um, not not clumsy or anything like uh, right. Elvis Costello or Pulp or something, but it's it's like a it's like a brute force humor. Well, if yeah, no, absolutely, and I think that um, if if you consider sort of like underlying, you know, whether it was the Sex Pistols or the Clash, like the thing that made them slightly different from the Ramones was like that there wasn't just the posturing <laughs> toward being cool; it was the fact that there was a little bit of like. Um, 
you know, self-effacing, uh, I'm a scumbag and I'm going to get in your face kind of thing. No, um, the, like that that, the, uh, that attitude is like its own reward for me. Well, and I, I, I love it. Um, you were, you were, um, it was an unexcused absence, but uh, you, uh, Jeremy and I did a, a Pete Shelley Buzzcocks uh, episode the other day, and it's very much Buzzcocks kind of sense of humor. And maybe they are a really good analog to this band. Hmm. Um, so, you know, at, at a at a sad moment where we say goodbye to Pete Shelley, um, I think uh, we, we give birth to another Pete Shelley. Yes. Yes, that's, that's one way of putting that. <laughs> Thank you for describing it in terms of giving birth, yes. Yeah, anyway, well, the next... Should we uh, take a pause again and, and hear some music? Yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's, throw on a, let's throw on something from, uh, from Idols here. Welcome back, and we're uh, doing our year-end top 21 list, and an album that got a lot of buzz this year. Next up is uh, Mitski's Be the Cowboy. Win. Give us, a, yeah, give us your I, thoughts I, on this one. I am a huge, massive, ridiculous fan. I kind of feel like this is the direction. I mean, I hate to say it because I hate to pit one great artist against another, but I kind of feel like this is the direction I wanted St. Vincent to go in. Um, it's just to make like a It'd really a good a melodic... Match pop record uh, as opposed to you know and, and and you know I love what St. Vincent does and I love the experimentation but I think this is like just a uh, last year my favorite song was Deadly Valentine by um, Charlotte, Charlotte Gainsbourg. Gainsbourg and I kind of feel like this is a whole album of that that's Boom. interesting um, you know I okay so I also I also really like Mitski um, I've Enjoyed seeing her. Uh, I do. I enjoy the albums. I think that the a really crucial difference between that particular song, though, is again, is like finding this sort of groove or like a rhythm. And and to me, like what clicked for me on on "Be the Cowboy" and um, it w- was the fact that this is not intended to have any kind of groove, groove. or boogie to it, right? Like there, it's 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 choral. Ch- it's it's hymn music. It's church music, it's and I started thinking about the way that, um, you know, the it's so, she hymnals, right? The the song, <laughs> the the song um, Jerusalem, like the the sort of uh, horribly covered by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, unfortunately, but um, it is a traditional, uh, you know, 
Christian hymn. Church of Eng- Church of England hymn um, about the uh, Which, sort of, by the like, way, co- cousin, colonial our, ambition. Our cousin of, Jonathan uh, delivered beautifully at his own wedding. It was uh, one of the high points I've ever heard in, in uh, uh, British singing. He sang it at his own wedding. It was beautiful. That is awfully ambitious, and I had no idea that our cousin Jonathan could sing. Um, Nobody did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty amazing, evidence. actually. By the way, that is uh, that is the best fucking trick to pull out of his, the bag his at uncle, your own wedding. <laughs> his uncle Serge, a French guy uh, who I don't yeah, exactly. know if you've ever met, he said, uh, he turns to me and he goes, I did not know he had that in him. That's pretty amazing. Um, but so so that kind of song, which it has just this incredible sort of melodies that I, I cannot, um, like, they don't, they don't come out of the sort of traditional uh, canon of, of rock music or pop music. They're just, they wind around and they find these sort of, uh, you know, like, I mean, this I pathway that refuses to conform, I think, with... Is there with, a difference um, between the hooks and grooves? Because, like, this has hooks and no grooves. Uh, I don't even know what kind of hooks it has. What it has is, like... I mean, at least to, to me. I, I But, yeah, I mean, yes, grooves I see is like... That's the rhythm section, and this is decidedly... Like, the rhythm section is unimportant. It's, like, it's going to be, like, four downbeats. Like, there is no change of pace there's no like there's no kind of um uh sort of like rhythmic maneuvering that's like trying to sort of get your body to respond to this it's no, like it's not a dance are, album but it's a it's yeah. a weirdly kind of feels like it should be a dance album um well because some of the aesthetics i think and some of the instrumentation um whether it's piano or or um some of the uh I guess the synthesizers that she uses may, you know, may sort of give you that that vibe. Um, but I, you know, I think to to talk a little bit about the um, sort of uh, the, the splash that this has made. You know, this is this is pretty low on our list relative to. Um, I think well, uh, I think I'm responsible on for that one because I think you guys. I just didn't listen to it as much as you guys, so it was on my. It's definitely in my top fifty-one. I think it was my like fourth or fifth. Yeah, you're right. I love this. Yeah. Um, well, but I mean, in general, I think you know, just as a as a as an aggregated list here, you know, it's it's interesting to see that it, um, uh, you know, it was, I think Pitchfork's number one. Um, it was two or three other. Was it pretty much Amazing's number one? Um, and I mean, it's it's done extraordinarily well, um, and I think it sort of pitched her into a uh, a new trajectory that will follow the path. Yeah, of, of I mean, you mentioned Saint Vincent earlier. It's it's sort of it's it's going to become an unavoidable comparison for her, mm-hmm. um, and it it's going be. to be Saint Vincent or it's going to be Grimes because they are the two people who yeah, rose so quickly through the world of indie rock that they just eclipsed it and became pop stars. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if snail mail becomes that. Eventually. That would be awesome, um, and I would like that too. Um, I th- I think guitar rock is just it's going to be. I mean, I say that, and yet St. Vincent, of course, is just a fucking amazing shredder. So I'm yeah. not, you know, um, but uh, but I think that as long I think the the guitar rock like sound is going to be it's, it's going to be hard to to make it into that. Um, yeah, the three you uh, mentioned have expansive musical landscape sounds going on. I mean, St. Vincent's a guitar player first and foremost, but yep. it's an orchestrated sound. I guess Mitski certainly falls into that category. It, the other thing that I find I just absolutely like 
just so engaging about Mitski is the fact that there's um, she, she there's an extraordinary amount of vulnerability on display. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I think at all times, and part of it is the melodies she is singing um, are very complicated, uh, and I think they probably require a hell of a lot of concentration. Uh, and I, I'm sort of I'm curious the extent to which that um, you know, or you think that 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 sort of can it, it, like keep, you know uh, forces her basically to, to spend so much focus um, on you know on, on actually hitting these notes that she's that she's written for herself um, that it sort of means there's no uh, there's no energy left or there's no ability left to like um, to, to sort of be anything other than completely uh, emotionally sort of like bare and authentic. I don't know. I, I really don't. I really like what she does. That's you know that's the bottom line. So, speaking of guitar rock, moving off of Mitski, Christian. Oh, Ty Siegel. Yeah, Ty Siegel rock. Freedom's Goblin. So this was an album that is led off by a fucking (laughs) the the open like talk about fun right like I I just I don't know that this this was the year for. Fun albums. This was not the year for fun, by the way. This was just the year for. Yeah, fun this was actually albums. just a. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, this was actually. Uh, yeah, it doesn't feel like a very fun year. Um, but damn, if Ty Siegel can't have fun, um, the opening song, uh, "Fanny Dog," um, is uh, an incredible tune written about um, this possible love interest, where you know. Uh, he'll follow her wherever she goes and, um, you know, she's just playing games with him and then one day you fucking realize that this is a song actually written about his dog. Um, but uh, he has, you know, managed to, to draw, I think, from, like, the absolute greatest um, sort of traditions in, in classic rock um, and really make him his own. The, the big thing here is, like, first of all, this guy is... is um, like in my mind, an absolute rock god in the making. Um, it's 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 going to happen one of these days, uh, and I think he is sort of to. I think to, he's a. I think he's a god in the sense that he is ever present. Um, there is ever present, that, but also there isn't a week that goes by that he doesn't put out an album. <laughs> yeah, no, there isn't. And by the way, I don't think he's put out a bad album yet. Like yeah, I, I, I really, really think as deep as I go, and I keep finding new ones um, on, you know, uh, in various, like, um, side projects that he's that he's run um, as well. Like, he's just, he has an incredible ear for, um, like, just great sort of garage rock. And yeah. um, he is, like, to musicality, I think. Like, he, he has so much diversity in terms of his interest. Um, you know, he can sort of uh, manipulate hooks and... Um, catchy choruses and catchy guitar licks, the exact same way that Elvis Costello can do it to lyrics, if that makes I, any sense. Like no, this it is does, a, but the, the one thing yeah. I really want is for somebody to just curate, because it feels like Guided by Voices does probably to you. It's like I want someone to yeah, curate so and find yeah. the 20 best songs by... Right. Although the album title, Freedom's so, Goblin he, Alone, would put that one at the top of my list. Yes, um, and I think... Wyndham, to your point, he's never going to have less music than he does today, right? So we have, just have to like take that as a starting point. This is the album you should listen to. I, I, that, I, it is. I, I voted it very high on my list. Yeah, I, exactly. I really love it. It really is. Um, no, and I think a big part of it was the fact that he added uh, a brass section, um, which sort of filled out and created this like 
you know, show band, um, like power, uh, and strength to, you know, Fanny dog and Alta, um, and my ladies on fire. Um, so, you know, he's, he's clearly, I think, um, digging deeper into his interests in record collection. Uh, it is awfully intimidating that this guy is still, um, in his relative youth, um, and, you know, mid twenties and has something like 16 or 17 albums under his belt. I think it's like 170. Albums. Yeah, it, it feels, feels like 170 like albums. Yeah, definitely. I, I actually, I mean, well, if you think about it, like, we are, we do not live in an era anymore where, like, you, you can spend three years between major releases and, mm-hmm. like, or, you know, at least two. He should um, put an album called Chinese Democracy, is my <laughs> thought. Yes. You should just, and just replace it, frankly. Mm-hmm. We well, could just get rid of all the other copies of it if that happened, yeah. So the next band, number 12, is. Uh, it, the album is called Hope Downs, but the band is called Rolling Blackouts Coastal Fever. And I I think I, along with both of you, believe the band should just be called Rolling Blackouts. Yeah, I actually but, uh, wrote them a letter asking them to do that. <laughs> <laughs> which is also, uh, yeah, which is also like my semester abroad in Australia, hanging out with the band Ro- Rolling Blackouts Coastal Fever, <laughs> which is uh, that's, that's basically the, how six, the six months I don't remember. Believe, isn't it? Throughout, yes. uh, the islands. Um, I, I really dig this album. I'm glad Christian it looked like it was high on your list too. Because um, I'm glad it made it this far. <clears throat> it's uh, you know kind of in the vein of Nap Eyes, where uh, to me it has a sound and like a feel that is really comforting and and, and really solid. And and it's a you know. You know, that kind of, I guess, reminds me of the clean or the go-betweens or that sort of, like, late 80s um, or, you know, Actually, mid-80s sounds kind of... a little of, bit like the feelies. I was going to say feelies as well, yeah, that kind of jangly college rock. This band has three singers, so you get kind of three different, you know, I wouldn't say the sound, they sound terribly different from each other in all the songs, but there's definitely, you know, you know three different takes and... Um, you know, songs like An Air Conditioned Man, I think is great. I think this album, it was one of those ones that I, like the next one we're going to talk about, that just consistently kind of popped on and could listen to start to finish um, in any sort of space, which, uh, you know, it's an album that I think you can put on and, and nobody's going to, you know, ask you to turn it down or anything like that. People will probably ask you what you're playing, but also an album that you can kind of just function along with too. And, and uh, I've never seen these guys. I know they had a couple EPs prior, um, and some's not very long either. We're, we're clocking in again at 35 minutes, and that is, you know, music to my ears. But um, it's a, I think it's a great record. And I was surprised when you weren't as high on it, but uh, I'd, I'd give it another crack. I, I think it's a, it's a album that you know kind of really grew on me throughout the year. I like it. I just haven't really cottoned to it yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Throw it on next time you're in the car, though, um, and like have a few minutes to sort of. Uh, think about like the track to track it's it's one of those things that like it didn't grab me originally um the, when i, no, I went know, back first threw it, it well. on yeah and it was uh it, but it was a big grower over the course of the year um and you know I, I think like we should talk a little bit about like they they just i mean the musicianship is great um they have a great feel for one another uh and and there's sort of really um terrific interplay between you know what sound like simultaneous bass um and guitar solos that are sort of happening, you know, at the same time, uh, they've got like, I, I like the sort of impressionistic lyrics. Um, I don't tend to, uh, to follow as closely or, or like as a prerequisite, you know, I, I can sort of, um, take, uh, like, you know, sort of 
one or two line or like a, you know a couplet or something and like that that'll be um, sort of enough of an idea to, to, to sort of work I think that can be a difficult thing to pull off well um, but they've done that reasonably well here um, so you know and I think ultimately like it would be a little it would feel a little flimsy if the band didn't have the sort of strength or, or I guess like power in it that it does um, but it is a rock and roll band like, oh definitely yeah and I think like if this if this band were from England they might be pussies um, but but thankfully, you know, they're like they're kind of like there's a sort of beer slogan bar band. Like, yeah, exactly. To, uh, yeah. No, definitely like Cappuccino City, and and uh, yeah, I agree the, the interplay. I also was gonna say that when I mentioned the three singers, I normally don't like when a band dilutes itself that way because um, you know you tend to have like usually strong one stronger voice, and I don't really mm-hmm. find any difference throughout this album. I think all the songs are, are really pretty good. Well, the next yeah. one is. Uh, not a uh, foreign band. It's an American band. Number eleven. It's Culture Abuse. Uh, Bay Dream, which uh, is not a great album title, but a uh, great album. Yeah, I love this record. Um, I think you guys were so. It's, this is really interesting to me. So their um, their prior album was to me like a, a standout. They, I, I thought like definitely dialed back the punk a little bit yeah um and went a hell of a lot farther you know and like and so to be i'll be completely honest with you i heard this you and thought it went thought, too pop yeah i thought it, it sort of it it lost like a little bit of the edge that it had that attracted me to it um i would have expected you guys to basically come down in the same place that i did and so i was really um it, like it completely caused me to rethink the album uh and, and start a, to appreciate it more it's to a see really that you guys good have, pop record yeah. yeah, he's a that, funny writer. Well, he's I think a funny writer. He's a. I like everything. Like it just. It's one of those ones that kept coming on, and I kept hitting like the. Who is this? And I felt the same way about White Denim, who I think feels you know fills the same space as like Ty Siegel. Um, I every time it came on, I was like, wait, who is this? And it was, it was these guys, and it it was made me, like. Felt very. Uh, I mean, they're very influenced by pop punk. Um, you know, it feels like early Green Day or the Buzzcocks or something like that. But it just really kind of kicks ass. I love it. Yeah, it's an album that I, I think the Sheen kind of threw me off at first, like you're saying, Christian, because it has that you know oh so you know just the sort of power pop punk that came out of the Gilmore scene and in, in NorCal and, and you know that kind of California. Um, I don't know, gleam that I, I never loved. and But I think the big difference for me with this album is, um, you know, the guy A can write and the songs are just really great hook. hook you know, they have great hooks and great lyrics. So it, it took a thing that I, sh- I always kind of felt like I, um, I don't know, like I didn't hate it and it wasn't like something that I didn't dislike because it's poppy and, and it was always pretty catchy, but I, uh, it always got ruined to me by just really dumb lyrics or just, you know, kind of annoying, you know, uh, choruses and things like, yeah, or, or yeah, the emo sort of, you know, wah music. And this was took all the, the good, you know, sort of catchiness of, of that type of style that was, uh, you know, was prevalent in that music and then also threw on just like great, like, you know, catchy songs. And I mean, they're very yeah, sort of as like... If, as if Bright Eyes made Green Day songs, Yeah, but, uh, and, and I would after, say, too, that yeah. the songs are very much of a place, right? I mean, they're, they're not like, you know, he's not doing the Idols thing or the, you know, saving the world or anything, but they're, they seem very localized, but they're good and, uh, you know, catchy and, and, you know, a lot of, like, 
I don't know. It's an album. It's another one just like Rolling Blackouts, who have officially now changed their name, just so they, I'll, I'll make sure yeah, they sure. know when they tour next. But um, that I just popped on all the time. And I, I, I was surprised when I was kind of looking at the albums that I listened to the most this year because on first listen, um, I was kind of like, eh, you know, I don't know if this is for me. Um, it's ended up like number two for me. I listen to this album constantly. Yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, it's so Dave, David Kelling, um, by the way, is the, the name of their front man, um, we, sh- we should say, but they're uh, a Bay Area based, you know, punk group um, and definitely like have the Op Ivy, um, uh, Operation Ivy, like Green Day uh, sort of like genealogy. Um, they, th- this is this is like a part of their uh, sound and in a way that like California punk just tends to like embed itself in, in a certain um, uh, type of band and and they definitely reflect that but I think um, what always sort of set them apart on their and on their previous album peach uh, was you know this this sort of like sharper than like like way sharper than the average uh, lyric writing um, and I think that that's you know they've now moved to epitaph records um, with with this album their their second uh, and I guess you know sort of the sound is I wouldn't say it's it's mellowed or, sl- or like slowed down. It just lacks a little bit of the like the fuzzy, um, like yeah, know, it was more produced, grung- for sure. grungier. Yeah, exactly. But like it just it they toned down some of the distortion and the you know and like it it yeah. goes a little bit heavier into um, more traditional pop songs. But um, is yeah equally equally sharp lyric writing. So I'm I'm excited to dig back into this, and I think my my appreciation is growing just listening to you guys talk about it. Yeah, well, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll do our top ten. Actually, we'll probably take a break and come back and do our second half. We are uh, deep into our top 21 bad math best albums of the year. And uh, at this point, we're going to take a break and we're going to bring the second half of it to you shortly. Looking forward to it. We'll talk next week. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.